0: Welcome back to another episode of Hot Off the Hip. This podcast exists to connect and inspire young professionals in West Michigan through shared stories and aspirations. Young professional is a term used to describe those in the first half of their career. My goal is to connect you more thoroughly to our vibrant young professional community through this show. I'm your host, Johannes Boot, and thank you for taking some time to listen in today. Today I have the privilege of welcoming AJ Westendorp to the show. Welcome to the show, AJ. Good to be here, Johannes. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'm super excited for the conversation we'll have today. I bumped into AJ sometime during 2018 while working on a summer jobs program with him. It's amazing to see some of his work in action through Escape Ministries. AJ holds a bachelor's in biomedical sciences and religion from Central Michigan University and a master's in public administration. After spending three years in Guatemala, newly married from 2015 to 2017, AJ came back to ha- Holland and has grown roots in a very niche area of this community. So AJ, if you wouldn't uh, mind, could you tell us more about your youth in Holland and then your experiences abroad?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting hearing you describe it as a niche community. I've never heard it described that way before, but... Um... Yeah. My, my joy is to be planted escape ministries, um, which coming out of college for me, um, well, a little bit of context, I guess I, I grew up in Holland and I was kind of in the Holland Christian, um, Montello park, Christian reform church bubble. Um, it was a good bubble. I loved the bubble. <laughs> I thrived in the bubble and embraced it and still love the people who helped grow me up. But coming back from college, um, I just wanted to plant in a different piece of Holland. I think I recognized that, uh, I think I recognized what I missed out on being in the bubble. I missed out on a lot of different people I missed out on a lot of different stories that are very rich. And I just wanted to discover that and see what that was about. So in 2014 or 15, um, Willie Watt had a summer jobs program here at Escape Ministries. And they were connecting, you know, kind of focusing on, youth on the margins, youth that had been connected with gangs or, um, kicked out of school or, uh, coming out of juvenile detention stuff like that. Um, and connecting them with opportunity, connecting them with, uh, with a summer job. And that was my first step really, um, into where I've sat in Holland for a long time now and what I've come to love. So I was a team leader on that summer job program while I was working on my master's, just kind of a part-time thing, stuck my toe in the water. And um, I just lit up getting to be around 14, 15, 16-year-olds who some of them made some bad choices. Some of them were coming from tough family situations and just giving them opportunities to thrive and caring relationships um, that would allow them as well to thrive. So that just clicked for me. And I saw a lot of the goodness of what I was missing. I saw a lot of the goodness of God there. Um, I tell people a lot, I feel like I just get front row seats to, to see some really cool stuff unfold and to see God work in some really cool ways, um, from where I sit. So that was my first touch into the kind of the the niche you described, um, in combination with, um, starting to go to church at Maple Avenue Ministries, um, is, you know, multicultural and, um, a lot of black leadership, um, Pastor Denise Canem Greer, there is, has been a good voice for me, and a community around there has enriched me. So, um, so those learning experiences have been have been really rich for me, and just colored my world uh, in a new way. So, that's that's kind of how I ended up in this new place in Holland. Um, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Now. After after going through that summer jobs program and leading the team there and getting plugged into Holland, you moved to Guatemala for three years. Is that right? Yeah.
1: That was I'll say always in the plans, but never in the plans. Um you know when Elena and I got married, we didn't really have the the vision to stay in Holland long term. You know, we had kind of been in the bubble for a long time. We said we want to get out. So um we wanted we really had the agenda of we want to go somewhere and do something. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young professionals maybe have that, um, that calling or that stirring in their hearts. Say, I want to move out to California or move to the city or move overseas and just experience something different. So, um, so that was part of our hope. So we married and we have about a year and a half in Holland. And then, um, that was just kind of part of the process of figuring out where do we go? How do we do it? Uh, what are we going to do when we go somewhere? Uh, we ended up going as missionaries, actually, which was not part of the plan, but just kind of how it unfolded. And uh, we went through an organization called TEAM, which is the Evangelical Alliance Mission. Uh, my wife is a fantastic nurse, and she served in a clinic, uh, served people next to the city dump in Guatemala City. Um, a, lot of, a lot of folks who live off the dump, they're picking through trash daily to, to make a living and there's a few health concerns with that. Um, and my wife did an incredible job there. And then I was living and working in a community called Batania. There was a, oddly enough, a soccer Academy, which any of you know me, I'm not much of a soccer player. I was more of a American football player. Um, so there's a soccer Academy there. We connected with some of the leaders of that Academy, um, and just kind of asked them, Hey, what, what can we do to help? Um, I guess at that point it was, it was mostly me and then bring along the community to help more. So one of the principles that kind of live by is, um, I don't want to take over and do things for people or to people. Um, but I want to do things with people. So that step was pretty cool to, to step alongside of Danilo and Polo and Roberto and say, how can, how can we help what you're already doing? And they said, man, all these kids are, um, they're doing soccer. We can help them with some accountability, but they don't have help with their schoolwork. They don't have anybody to to really help them do what they need to do. Uh, A lot of the parents want to help, but they, they can't help them with their schoolwork. And so we started a little tutoring program and that led to a bunch of relationships just walking around this, um, this barrio in Guatemala with, you know, with a reputation for violence and poverty and all that, and being the only white guy of like 250,000 people. Well, it's a pretty wild experience. And, but being, being able to be embraced in that community is pretty cool. And you come in as the outsider and um, start to engage in some special relationships that, um, that are really meaningful for me. And then on top of that, I actually did get to coach American football. There's a team down there called the Toros. And uh, they became some of my brothers down there um, in, a, in a season that was pretty void of you know the feeling of like brotherhood and people who I'm going through life with cause I was an outsider. And then all of a sudden I had these guys who I felt like I was a part of that team and that movement. Um, and then worked with some other heroes down there, uh, Rudy and Tatiana Hernandez. They worked with, um, they have a ministry called Sego Vivo and they just very tangibly walk alongside youth who um, are people of all ages who are living on the streets. Uh, there's a lot of drug addiction there and, um, a lot of family abandonment there and some gang involvement there. Um, talk about the down and outs. Like this is like mother Teresa type stuff. And so, you know, you read books about mother Teresa. You think she's such a hero. And there were moments when I was like walking alongside Tati, and I'm like, I think she might have mother Teresa beat right now because what I'm seeing right now is a miracle. (laughs) Um, so those were some pretty special investments to get, to be a part of, um, special relationships to be a part of and. Uh, colored my world in a a whole nother way, uh, especially in the in the Latino culture. You know, I learned Spanish down there. That's one of the gifts that that um, that community gave me, and I was able to bring that back to Holland um, after two and a half years of being down there. That was kind of part of the plan. Um, we didn't want to go there forever. We, we weren't sure, and after two years or two and a half years, then we came back, with kind of with open with open arms to figure out what was going to happen next and it ended up being coming back to holland we explored a couple different places you know detroit muskegon uh grand rapids and like yeah it was especially for my wife it was it was time to be somewhere familiar because there's a lot of unfamiliar of walking around the the biggest city in guatemala there's some wild stuff there
0: wow so I wanted to touch on, before we get too deep or uh, we start getting into the meat of the episode, Um, pretty much fresh, pretty fresh graduate, a lot of learning, at least formal education behind you, and then moving right into this pretty wild experience. Was there a clash, anything? Did everything make sense from school? Like, I know you said you were learning a lot in Guatemala. Can you give me a lens? Like, how did they complement, build on, and then maybe what were some of the gaps that you noticed? Sure. Um, yeah, the education,
1: I don't, I don't see a whole lot of connection to my formal education and especially the first season of my life. Um, you know, I went to school to be a doctor and then about midway through, so I was going for like a pre-med path and then kind of midway through, I, I remember being in a doctor's office, getting a physical for a summer job or something. And I was like, I don't want to be this guy. I don't. Um, but I had already finished organic chemistry and I wasn't going to turn back on, uh, on what, what I had already done there. So I think I was going into my junior or senior year or something like that. And I said, well, I'm going to finish this biomedical sciences major. Um, and at least it'll look good on a resume and they'll know that, Oh, you know, <laughs> he finished organic chem, so he must be smart enough. And then, um, my public administration masters was just kind of I mean, I had the privilege, I was on a scholarship and with football, and so there's way too much privilege built into that. But the benefit of it is I got most of my master's degree paid for, so I had to pick one. And public administration seemed like something that if one day someone wants to put me in charge of something, that I won't have to go back to school to do it. <laughs> so um, there wasn't a lot that really carried over uh, formally, but I think the the mindset of i don't know like as a as a leader administrator you know just the mindset of jump in learn some things try something new um is very entrepreneurial i guess and even even though we weren't making money you know, we were starting ministries and trying to start things that were helpful for people and i remember we i tried with my friend rodrigo to start like a business class for a lot of the small businesses in uh, batania there and you know just trying to get people to show up for anything, uh, as a challenge. And how do you, you know, walk, literally walk around the neighborhood, just handing out flyers and Hey, this would be helpful. This would be helpful. And then you also know these people have like six kids and there's no chance they're showing up for a Thursday night at 630. And, um, so I don't know, this kind of the, the spirit of openness, being able to try new things. Um, that's kind of what we went down there with and,
0: so, I'm still
1: kind of in that a lot of times uh, in what I do with escape.
0: Got your, uh, got your uh, hands on your guns a lot of the time, and got to respond pretty dynamically. It sounds like that was your experience in Guatemala, and it still is. What is the biggest thing you said? Uh, the one of the gifts from Guatemala was learning Spanish. Uh, was there any other things you came back and you're like, man, that was something uh, that I I picked up in Guatemala. Mm.
1: My Guatemalan friends have a a spirit of hospitality that is far beyond what I've seen in America, which is special to see, a, a spirit of open-handedness, a um, spirit of what's mine is ours, even though we don't have anything. <laughs> um, I was delighted by um, the generosity of a number of people in the community that, because I was the outsider, they wanted to invite me and Elena in. They wanted to us dinner even though like they were getting food handouts um, alongside of that um, I was delighted by relationships that cross barriers um where you like I was I was able to be connected with so many people where you just look at the two of us you' be like there's no way on this earth that y'all belong together but we do and I think that's something that um something that we forget often um, mother Teresa go back to mother Teresa has a quote where it says, The problem is that we've forgotten that we belong together. And I think that's really powerful um, to make about people. You know, when there's people who we think don't belong together or might be on different sides of um, whatever division, or a business decision or a political decision or a neighborhood ordinance or whatever it is. Say, Well, remember, we belong together. So me having breakfast on Friday mornings with about uh, town drunks, they call them the bolitos down there. Uh, just, just wild, like to be part of that community and look around I'm like, how do, why do they invite me? Like, why do they trust me enough to eat these pancakes or these, this oatmeal? Like, um, some of them stick around. We just shoot the breeze for an hour and a half or something. And, um, some of those players on the football team were like, why, why are they talking to me about their marriage like this? And like, all of a sudden we have this deep kinship and this deep joy and this deep community. I just showed up. Um, And so those things were really special to be a part of. And um, I think maybe maybe even made me a little bit more brazen, not that it's anything that I needed personality-wise, but more brazen to to try for these kind of relationships that don't seem to belong Um, with this stubbornness that says, I think we can belong together. I think we can um and imagining what the world looks like when um when different colors different opinions different um different sides of the river can decide well we we can disagree or we can live differently or act differently but we belong together so that changes how i live Um, sometimes there's a metaphor that you think about you drive through neighborhood you might see signs like drive like your kids live here right and so you slow down you start looking around and um but zoom out a little bit and then it becomes well live like everybody here belongs to your family right and i think when you zoom out you get a bigger picture of the world and you start to live not just for yourself for what your what your bubble holds on to but say oh how does how can how can this be good for everybody? Because I, I belong to these people. These are my brothers and sisters, man. So, yeah.
0: I want to get back and touch more deeply on this uh, community mindset and uh, this uh, one, the other thing you learned in Guatemala, the open handedness of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, let's uh, color the rest of the picture in through what you're doing with Escape right now when you came back what's the mission of escape and what are they doing for anybody who's not familiar
1: sure so i came back to escape or I came back to holland 2018 again was a little bit resistant to coming back to escape because it was familiar and i just kind of have this knack to go into something new and something different there's always something better but um yeah that that summer the summer jobs program was happening again i had coordinated it before and That was a a good fit to come back to. So, what Escape is is that the mission statement is to intervene in the lives of youth who fall through the cracks and provide resources, relationship, and opportunities um, to help everybody to thrive. So that's a pretty powerful statement to make and to be available for. Um, But you know, youth who fall through the cracks. I mentioned some of those um, those types of people groups earlier. You know people who have been sent to detention, right? They get a label on them, um, bad kid, troubled kid, at risk youth, all that stuff. And what if we don't need that label for most reasons? Like, I I understand there's sometimes a safety concern, right? But, um, to get them in a space when at escape, like this is a place of restoration. So we look at that student and we say, um, well, what does that student need to thrive? And, that maybe okay. that they, they don't do well in a big school setting, so they're suspended from school. We have a our three main programs, or I guess four now. Uh, we have a, a, a alternative suspension program, so students who are suspended or expelled from school um, can continue to work on schoolwork, coached through it. They're in a smaller environment. We got maybe ten to twenty students here um, at a time. They're here eight to three, but they're they're heroes. Like they're they got kicked out and they're still working on their classes they got told that they're a threat to society and they're saying nah i belong in society so i'm going to i'm going to keep working on this so getting to be a part of that story obviously is very rewarding and um and interesting you think you're out of the weeds sometimes and then you get right back into it um so then there's a the summer jobs program which i mentioned earlier we get about 40 kids a year who uh, we get to work three uh, three days a week, four hours a day. We do all kinds of things. For um, we'll do mulching for businesses or property maintenance for businesses. Uh, we'll um, we'll do residence residential work. So weeding for people's yards and stuff. Um, we'll work at the mission. So we have some donated sites too, like Eighth Day Farm and Holland Rescue Mission and a couple thrift stores. Sometimes we're uh, Building Men for Life, Calvary School. Some of those where we know that they don't, they don't have money to offer, but they have work to do. And so we can help the community by a putting kids to work b benefiting these nonprofit organizations, um, see, um, giving these kids an opportunity to gain money. So at like, at the least they um, uh, we're kind of helping redistribute some wealth in a very small way. They make about a thousand bucks in the summer and they get to learn how to manage money and they also have like positive adult relationships alongside of them and get to discover their God-given worth, uh, in the process. So there's a lot of benefits to that one. And I'm pretty biased because that's how I started at Escape, but, um, so that's a pretty, and it's a cool opportunity for any of the listeners out there to connect and say, Oh, I could have some kids cut my lawn, right. Or I have to have some kids pull weeds and then I might get Mike to meet a few of them and realize like, Oh, like they're, we belong together. Right. Um, or, you know, for businesses to in and say, Hey, I want to sponsor a, a team of three youth to work at the city mission and learn how to cook and learn how to maintain the property and help at the thrift store. I, I want to sponsor that. So sponsor them for a week or for the summer or whatever. Small plug right there. <laughs> um, so we got the alternative suspension program, the jobs program. We got a boxing program in the back, uh, it runs four to seven Monday through Thursday. It's kind of a community resource a drop in place, barriers free for people to get to train. And for some of them, it's an anger release. For some of them, it's a, a track to be able to box professionally. And for some of them, it's just five-year-olds, six-year-olds learning how to do something, right? Um, Coach Rubin works wonders back there, I, I swear. And then um, this year, we've gotten a lot more focused on tutoring. So after-school tutoring um, for students who struggling with class, need some help. We got volunteer tutors. And so anybody who wants to drop in and tutor some kids, we got a space for that. And then uh, this year we've also done a lot of tutoring for virtual students because the whole virtual e- education pandemic thing has its pluses and minuses. But um, imagine being a youth who's already falling through or already falling through the cracks. Imagine being a youth who doesn't like school or doesn't do well in school, and you're given the option to not have to go to school and be able to do virtual school. You're going to choose. No, I don't want to go to school. I'm going to go to virtual school. Well, the the fact is that you're you're in a single parent home and that parent works and so you don't really have the accountability to actually do the schoolwork. So you go the whole semester, you're one percent through your classes, you didn't really engage. Yeah, there's a some shared responsibility there, but we can just let that happen as a community, or we're gonna say, No, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna step into a place to motivate our our students so that they don't they don't fall behind. It's kind of that, like no child left behind mentality. Um, so <laughs> get to have that mentality. I've been pretty stubborn in a few places, like, no man, like you are coming in three days a week. And it will be that way. So I'll see you on Monday. We'll pick you up. (laughs) Um, We've had some great staff and uh, actually a grant from the Community Foundation here in Holland and Zealand that helps support that movement to just be able to go wider and deeper with students who are falling through the cracks, because I think there's just different cracks in this pandemic. So that's escape in a nutshell, kind of a big nutshell. Sorry, I got carried away there. Um, You asked something else about the you asked about escape, but there was a, a larger context of the question that I'm forgetting.
0: Yeah, I wanted to. Uh, I'm. I'm. We're just drawing the dots all together yeah. here. We're going to circle back onto um, we belong together and the community mindset and and how hospitality works into that. Um, but that was uh, that was um, escape in a nutshell and how you kind of went from Guatemala to getting plugged into um, Holland here in this in this um, in this part of the community. What I would say um is a niche because a lot of people um just we're not familiar with uh with um uh, the cracks you're, you're talking about no so. and i wasn't
1: growing up either man like and it's it's wild has become a place that i just love to be so much um and i, I guess that kind of comes in from guatemala too if walking around a neighborhood where i totally didn't belong and being able to feel okay and feel safe, even though like I knew what was going on, but I understood that also people had my back there and like, and if I was doing good, then that would be welcomed and appreciated and enjoyed. And so, um, but you know, I grew up, I had one friend who was Hispanic and he's still one of my best friends to this day, but that was it, you know, the the rest of my diversity experience was like playing against basketball teams that (laughs) weren't all white and, um, And, you know, I didn't know anyone who lived in a trailer park or who, like, I had no concept that families could live at hotels. And that happens often. And like, we're doing pickups and drop offs at a couple different hotels. Um, And there's sometimes students who's, we don't know where to drop them off because they don't have a healthy place to go because mom's working and grandma isn't a healthy place. And shoot, man, like some of the, so that's where we, we come to this mindset of these kids being heroes. You know, you say, well, they bring a knife to school. They're a threat to society. Let's look deeper in the story, man, because, um, you know, you come from, you understand the, the context of the story and why they feel how they do. And you say, holy cow, this kid is so resilient to still keep trying when their situation has not been kind to them. They haven't had a chance to thrive at all. And their history is just one of being moved around and kicked around and, I'm told that they don't belong. So, um, you know, from people in our, in our situation, then the question is, well, how can we make our community as a whole, how can we make that a place, um, where there's space for restoration, where we receive students in tough situations and people in tough situations in general, receive them with a heart of compassion and a heart of kinship where like we want to be together. Um, and we want to find a way to make it work. so uh, yeah, you talk about a niche. I, I just think it's, it's really a, a rich place for me to be when we decided we were going to move back to Holland. I said, well, <laughs> to summarize it, I was if I'm, if I'm going to be in Holland, I want to be at escape because I, I love where I get to be. Uh, but growing up I never had gone into a trailer park, right? So just having those trailer parks and apartment complexes and hotels and rental houses just feel like home to me because that's where my people live. Um, it's a, I think I understand growing up. I had a bit of a poverty in that piece of my life because I just didn't have any concept of it. And it seems like that's the underside of society, but it's kind of like turning over a rock in the, uh, in the woods. Like you think that's just the underside of the rock, but you pop under there. You're like, there's so much life going on here. Like, this is crazy. And I just never knew about it before.
0: Wow. Um definitely like an Alice in Wonderland drop through the rabbit hole experience perhaps for you. Can you give me an example or a story of when that your mindset really started to change? And when you're like, wow, this is beautiful and vibrant. Where did that happen? Mm -hmm. Was it here in Holland? Was it in Guatemala? Was it a process?
1: Yes. (laughs) To all of those. Um, let me try and pull a story that was especially specific to that. Um, Yeah. So just one that that comes to mind right away, I guess when I was a high schooler at my, at my church, there's a summer program where there are kids hanging out, playing games in the back. And, um, one time this mom or uh, like sent a Facebook message to escape and mentioned, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to enroll my son in, in your program. His name's George or whatever. And it's a interesting enough name. It wasn't George, but I was like, That has to be that same kid who was in that summer program. And so I was like, I got this. So I, you know, messaged him back. I'm like, Yeah, I'd lo- love to love to meet him. Is is that the same George who, you know, was this is AJ. Like, I was in that that program back at Montello Park Church, like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he walks in and he's not he's not six, he's sixteen and huge like a six the a six foot two big and i'm like well, bigger than me and i'm like how did you grow up man and i'm um, starting to see these behaviors of what used to be just a squirrely kid um now grown into like a man and um i think that the miracle of seeing seeing a lot of the things that he's like struggled with and we just kind of dismiss is like oh yeah like you know it's just attention stuff and you know he had been adopted and like has some trauma in his past that's real right and so seeing that just start to manifest 10 years later in some pretty real ways uh, where there's just a lot of issues to address right um and it's easy to see that kid as a project say all right how we got how are we going to fix it right <laughs> easy for me to see people as a project because i want to fix everything i want to make everything better um but to realize like i don't know like there's a hunger for just belonging and a hunger for relationship and like i can't fix all the problems and i wouldn't have fun if i just tried to fix the problems um but belonging and kinship and just sitting down to lunch with a kid right and say "Hey, you got a place here where you can belong we'll try and figure out what the solutions are to get you where you need to go get your GE, get your ged get you a job and um, get you connected with good people um So the magic of that is just being in the right place, um, means that 10 years later, George looks at me and sees family rather than just seeing this white guy who, you know, is running this ministry a little bit. Um, and that's where I think proximity comes into play. Um, you know, we can't, we can't control where we grew up, right? We can't control what our parents gave us or didn't give us but we can make small moves to just be next to people that if, if we want to change the makeup of our, of our social network. Right. Um, and we look around us and we say, man, all my friends are, all my friends are pretty much the same, right? They're the same wealth bracket or the same race or the same upbringing or the same religion. Um, you can make a choice, to just increase your proximity. And that doesn't mean that you need to help somebody else. It doesn't mean that you need to, um, tell them what you think. Sometimes it's just grabbing a beer with somebody. Sometimes it's just showing up in a neighborhood and going for a walk through somewhere that you're not familiar and being okay with What are you doing here? Just walking around. Just seeing the sights, right? And then you might meet somebody. You might meet somebody's dog. You, there might be some kinship there where you're not An unfamiliar face you become a familiar face and they become a familiar face to you and i kind of mentioned already like the power of seeing other people as belonging to you and seeing them as a familiar face rather than as outsiders i think there's a a big power in that Um, but it starts i just think it starts with proximity a lot of times and so for me that meant moving down to 16th street uh, in holland and instead of living west of grafskop where i grew up i loved where i grew up right I still go to mom's house a lot because I love it, but um, intentionally changing that proximity for me has been really powerful and really rewarding. Um, and the story of George, I think, just illustrates that. Where down the road, un- unexpectedly, all of a sudden you have this bond that you didn't even know was there, but it was just because you were in the right place. Um, I love a quote by, by Father Greg Boyle. Um, he's a Jesuit priest. In LA, he runs a an organization called Homeboy Industries, working with ex gang members coming out of coming out of jail and prison, giving them jobs. Um, a lot of similarities to Escape, just a little bit more grown up and a lot bigger. And uh, but his his quote goes something like this: um, says we we stand with those on the margins of society." until the margins are erased or until the until the margins no longer exist and then we imagine a circle of inclusion with nobody outside of that circle i'm i'm botching the quote a little bit but it's something like that uh, but just this idea of backing up a little bit from me at the center and being my people at the center backing up and backing up. So that circle just grows. And all of a sudden, these people are in my circle and these people are in my circle. And I see the sense of belonging and inclusion with everybody around me. Um, and as we do that as a community, then the margins are erased. And then the people who are outsiders and on the fringes, they're no longer on the fringe because they're in the circle. That's a pretty powerful move. And um, I just like to be a small part of that. And I, I guess if I can encourage people out there who are listening, like, just take a step back one step back and one step back and start to think you'll start to see some beautiful things there.
0: Wow. Um, Yeah, that's definitely less this person or that person or this scientific, uh, scientific like formula needs to be included for me to be diverse and more of like, Hey, if I just took a step back from my community, what else would be included or from, from my locus of, of tight knit I think uh, one of the things that's a strong aspect in the current um, environment for young professionals is that it's hard to see um, sometimes how your work and even actions connect to a bigger community. Mm. Oftentimes um, we're so driven to have our choices made by directly what impacts like our immediate circumstances or um, our future success. As a young professional or a young a young person growing up, and the story uh, that you just shared definitely clarifies. Hey, your actions have an impact over time in the community that you're in, and it is a beautiful thing when you can harvest a rich reward um, off of that. Being able to be included in others' lives and seeing the beauty that um, being stronger together and closer together and more connected. Yeah, that's awesome. And for me, like to
1: kind of come full circle that the story of George, right. Is, you yeah, know, he's been around for two years now and all the things on my checklist of what, what we should do to get him to be stable in life. Most of them haven't happened, you know, like we're two years later and we're, he was just in here trying to sign up for his next GED and he's, he's failed a couple of his tests already. So we're just, just keep continuing to chip away. Right. But the beauty of, the beauty of belonging and the beauty of kinship and just feeling like we're family, right. Is, our relationship isn't dependent on how well he's doing. Right. So it's, it's kind of like if you're somebody's mother or father, it's like, well, you know, whether you're doing good or bad, or, you know, you're in trouble or whatever, we don't have a choice. We're kind of bonded because we have a history. So yeah, we we're. I'm always going to pick up your phone, well, not always, but most of the time I'm going to pick up your phone calls and I'm always going to respond to your texts and, whatever you need, you know, whatever I need, we see each other, like we know, we we know that we're together. And it's not dependent on success or failure of either of our parts, right? It's not dependent whether I say the right things or not. It's just, yeah, well, we're together, right? And um, part of the struggle of entering into those spaces, when I talk about proximity is like, well, where do I start, right? Um, I think you start by looking around where you're at. Sometimes it's those, just the nine people, or eight, eight people that live in a box around you in your neighborhood right next to you across the street from you kitty corner from you okay well maybe maybe those people don't really maybe they're all kind of you know homogeneous in one way or the other and then we'll bring it to the office right what about the eight people who work in offices or places next to you and you know have you had lunch with them do you know their story um could you tell me their story you feel kinship with them and then you move to the or what about the people you go to church with or what about the people who you are sitting at the bar with right just start with somebody who's next to you and if you look at all those spaces and you say yeah they're really all the same type people then it might be worth considering like well maybe let's move to somewhere else or maybe i'll ask to work in a different department or look for a different company or a different church or something because that's valuable to me to just just change up what my social network network looks like I think there's creativity that can happen there and it's a long-term investment man like it doesn't happen like this but being there for a long time it's been very rich and and beautiful and difficult but meaningful
0: we had a conversation earlier on the podcast with Andrew Blunt and he was talking about um, connecting all your different independent circles of community together Um, so developing community You know, you have your your work community and your house community. And he talks about, you know, start connecting those and drawing those together. And that's definitely true here, too, as you're um, part of these communities. You're like, okay, does this really is this the kind of community that I want to be? What what should I add? What should I um, modify? And how can I draw those together more closely? Um, That's wonderful. So a lot of times my my mind goes back to like this really primitive sort of community, um, community picture in my head. I I kind of compare, you know, what, uh, my community here in Holland looks like compared to, let's say if I lived in a, uh, four hut village with a fire in the center. And, um, I, I find it to be a fun experiment because, or thought experiment at least, because there's a lot of things that are there that aren't present in my current community. Like, for example, like, um, Living next to the person that I have to, let's say, go plow the field with that I don't agree with, like on anything, right. you know, and then having to, you know, get dinner on the, you know, serve for the community together. We're we're a lot perhaps we're a lot more independent now um, for for maybe good or bad reasons. But you were kind of talking about proximity, um, how how you were shocked initially and really learned how, wow. When I show up at somebody's door in Guatemala and they are not in a great food situation, yet they insist on serving me as if it's like life or death or a moral code. And it would be a huge, uh, you know, a huge um, humility is the wrong word, Uh, shame not to serve to serve or the community mindset of we belong together. Um, Where has that gone? gone do you think it's gone and maybe talk more about practical pragmatic advice you gave us a little bit more of drawing people into community but perhaps it's really easy to just say you know i really have no need for any sort of a shock or difference in the system as it's working because there's no wrenches in the system give me a give me some advice around um, why it's so important and perhaps how we wh- where we're at today and how we can move yeah. as a community into a tighter knit more proximity community yeah proximate yeah that's that's quite a comparison you make there
1: right because our our society now is so much more connected social media you know being able to follow pretty much anybody uh news cycles and just like the way that we're able to connect with people and text and connect with as many people as we want pretty much instantly uh, but also so much so much more isolated because we make the choice of who we interact with all the time, um, consciously or unconsciously. Um, so that puts us in the driver's seat in a lot of ways. And sometimes what we look around and have is the result of us driving on cruise control for a long time, right? And Or us intentionally just building our lives in a certain way. So um, that's an interesting observation. Yeah, just um, comparing that to, hey, Pretty simple you're doing life with with just these people And actually my my introduction to kind of community living was through a a model um in a model i guess a a living breathing neighborhood that i i love and i see a lot of beauty in called parker street ministries in florida uh, in lakeland florida and there's i was it was on a college mission trip right i just read a book about this kind of like christian community development and ghettos and stuff and you know, I was just visiting with people down there who had spent 15 years just living in the neighborhood. So it was a very incarnational um, ministry where they said, we're we're going to move into the neighborhood, not to take over, but just to be among and to be with and, and make a statement that like, there's not any fear here. Um, yeah, there's crime rates that are through the roof, right? But we can live here and we can see each other as neighbors and as equals. Um, and so I saw that. And that was just really powerful to me to see that proximity, to see that um, that over the years they had grown in kinship. Yeah, they had fixed some houses up for people. Yeah, they had started an education program. Yeah, they're doing a lot of helpful services. And living next to these people, so that all of those unintended moments, where like you're just walking your dog, right, or um, you run into this people, you see someone running out the house, or you know they're running to you, and your marriage is a hot mess, and you just by happenstance are doing life together because of that proximity piece. So, um, I think something that you get to choose what you move towards, right? And so you could move towards um, a little a little less choice in who you're interacting with sometimes, and sometimes you need to make more choice because you need you might need to move or you might have a lot to gain by moving to a different space. And sometimes it's just staying in the space that you're in and looking around and saying, well, I, I can talk about, I can be vulnerable with my neighbor and be able to experience closeness that way. Or like, I don't, I don't need to love this person all that much to ask for help with my garden project. And maybe that's a point of connection. Or you're like, yeah, our kids can play together. And maybe that's a point of connection. Um, so I think the a, a practical step is just to, to look at the mindset of say, well, how can we find a connection? Um, if we say we belong together and there's people who are difficult or it doesn't really make sense to start a connection with, just find one way that you can, right? And that's why I think eating together is a pretty practical way <laughs> to, to do that because everybody happens to need to eat and most people like to eat. Um, I happen to be one of them. So... Uh, you know, that starts with the the dropping cookies off type thing to, Hey, I've got some, got some burgers on the grill. You want to come over? Or just kind of that, I don't know. I, I see that as very primal as you were, rep- you know, those primal things There's what people just do. Um, the pressure of our society is, I think we always feel like we need to have a reason to do something because you're always choosing to text this person or choosing to connect with this person on Facebook. And
0: Kind of back the house is not clean how can i have anybody over? Right? who cares
1: man like and i think <laughs> that's one of the beauties of the, the communities that i'm in it's just this, all that other stuff it really doesn't matter you know if, if the mothers who i think are heroes that i get to work with were concerned about how clean their house was like they got too many other concerns to worry about that so we're just raw and right in front of each other and um, right up in each other's mess and that's totally fine right and they get me on my days when I'm at my wits end with kids and I get them on their days or at their wits end with their kid. And i like, yeah, yeah, we're almost out, but it's okay. We're human, you know? So take, I don't know, taking that understanding seems to be helpful for me and it kind of loosens things up and you don't have so much
0: pressure to change the world. You're just like, just hanging out. Right. Wow. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about, a lot to unpack and uh, a lot of gold nuggets. Um, throughout our discussion today, Uh, AJ in five years or three years or even six months, do you have any goals, any, any aspirations, anything that's currently driving you that you want to share with our, with our community? That's deep.
1: Um, Yeah. I, I guess I've talked a little bit of, talked a little bit about this already, um, but I think, five years, you know, to see our community move to towards, um, understanding towards compassion and towards a desire for connectedness. Um, that can look like, you know, on my Island, that looks like being at escape and wanting to be wanting to mentor some kids or wanting to, you know, tutor some kids, just sit around and be, be with people who are uncomfortable with. Um, I I see that as pretty beautiful. Um, for me personally, I. I struggle to think about like what moving up looks like or whatever. Cause I just love what I do. and I love where I'm at. And, um, I think it's a pretty good fit. So, um, at this point, I, I love it enough just just, I just want to bring people along and I get really excited when I get to hire people to work on our summer jobs program at like 22, 23, or even 45. Um, and, um, see their journey kind of start and just, take my hands out, like just set them up, take my hands off the wheel and say, man, I I hope you get to experience the same beauty through this ride that I experienced in your own way. Um, So those have been some pretty pretty cool experiences for me and I hope to get to be a part of more of them. Um, I think even more so, and this might be the pinnacle of all of my answers that I'm giving you for things I wanna see in five years is, I cannot wait to see where the 15 and 16 year olds are when they're 20. Um, and where the 20 year olds are when they're 25 and in my, my upbringing way, that would be like, ah, oh, they're, I can't wait to see my kids grow up to graduate college and see what job they get. I can't wait to just see the kids grow up at whatever they're doing. Right. And so you see, you know, the 20 year old and now oh, they got a kid and yeah, they're in a they, they might not have gone to college. Or they still hope to they're working part time and it doesn't look like what our society defines as best. But I love in those moments to be able to get to see the kids and the people and just not care. Like, huh, I'm just glad to see you. And, and they're doing the best that they know how to the best that they can. And it, it doesn't have to be super results based. Yeah. We're going to shoot for the best and they're going to have the best tools that we can give them as a, and the organization to, to be able to thrive but let's check our definition of success and thriving um, and check it with other cultures check it with other um, with other families check it with other expectations and say you're doing great right you're a great mom and that's that's the best right or you're you're, you're out of your addiction and so you know how much money you're making doesn't matter man you just you're just you right? Or you've been in and out of jail a few times, but you're so you, right? And that's just beautiful to be around. So yeah, let's keep working on that stuff. But I, in five, 10 years, I just love the the picture of like, I imagine where this kid's going to be. I really hope that I get to be in a place in life where I still get
0: to see their face and track with their life. Wow. Well, that is definitely a conversation we could have on another episode about um, discovering um who you really are and the beauty of just being a person perhaps debunking some success myths but uh that that's wonderful and it's awesome to hear how plugged in you are to the Holland community. It sounds like you're in a place that fits you like a glove. Keep on keeping on AJ uh before we get off the air I know uh I know Escape's got a couple an event coming up, maybe a couple events, some contact information too. You mentioned there's some opportunities if people want to get involved. Give us the details. All right. So
1: for you social media people, our handle is at escape Y F G K, uh, Facebook and on Instagram. Um, our website is escape dash out.org. It's like an actual dash in there, a hyphen, if you will. Um, you can find a lot of information there. Um, if you want to get in connection with meme, um, I'd love to love to have a conversation with y'all and just see where it fits or just shoot the breeze, you know, no pressure. Um, my email is connections at escape dash out.org all spelled pretty normally. Um, and we're just located on, um, 202 East 32nd street. So that's a pretty good way to just stop in see what's up. Um, we have an event coming up called the hero and me. Super excited about it. Um, we're essentially, we're getting three of our youth who we have seen so much heroism out of in the last year or two, and they get to be on stage all dressed up and tell their stories. Uh, it's going to be a virtual event. So it'll be on our Facebook live six thirty May 20th coming up. Um, and it'll just last like an hour or something. And you know, the winner is actually going to get a scholarship and, um, making it kind of a big deal for them. So celebrating their stories, that'll be recorded and stuff, I think, so you can watch it afterwards too, but great way to pop on and, and get connected. Um, if you want to donate to escape it's all there on our website um if your business wants to get connected and you know have some partnership or your church wants to connect and have some partnership or volunteer um that can all happen through facebook or instagram or just dm or um or email me and we'll get that process started but there's there's a lot of ways to get connected i, I see it as investing in you're investing in a young person's life right sponsor a kid to be able to go through school here you you sponsor one of our staff like they're a missionary because they are, man. (laughs) Um, Sitting with kids and working through math and and life situations with them. Um, Got a really cool mental health initiative too that is worth talking about. So there's a lot there. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, website, email, or just stop in. Those are all good ways to get connected and love to get the conversation started.
0: Terrific. To the listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hot Off the Hip. Make sure to check out the show notes for all the links that AJ just mentioned, and you can also check out our events page at www.bhip.org for any of the current offerings of community and development events created by the Holland Zealand Young Professionals. Today's show was a blast to put together, and I look forward to doing this again on the next episode of Hot Off the Hip.